Hey, welcome to Kenmore Church Online today. If we haven't met you yet, we would love to do that. So please go to our website at kenmore.church and follow the links there for the Next Steps launcher and fill in a Connect card. We'd love to uh, get back to you and book in a coffee. Uh, let's have a look now at the announcements for Kenmore Church this week. As many of you would know, we've started Church Check-In so our pastoral care team can better meet the needs of our church. If you haven't already downloaded it, the app to use is Church Centre. And if you haven't already checked in, this is your friendly reminder. We'd like to thank our congregation for their generosity in giving, which allows us to fuel our various ministries. Proverbs 3 verse 9 says to honour the Lord with all your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. You can give through direct debit or online at kenmore.church forward slash give. Keep Moving is on every Friday from 10 to 11am. Join us for light exercise in a fun social setting for anyone in the community over 50. Register online or find more information at kenmore.church. Mainly Music starts back this week on Wednesdays at 9.30 in the morning. This is a fun music and play session for kids from zero to school age and their parents or grandparents during the school term. A cost of only $5 per family includes morning tea and there are great opportunities to meet new and old friends from the greater Kenmore community. Register online at kenmore.church. Small groups are a place where you can study the Word, ask big questions and build a deeper relationship with God and your church family. Sign on Sunday is on the 13th of February at both services and is your opportunity to join a small group if you're not already in one. Head to the sign-on desk at the back of the church to sign on or for more information. And if you're interested in hosting or leading your own small group, contact Trish who will help get you started. Young Adults is running this Wednesday with hangouts at 6.30pm and officially kicking off at 7 o'clock in the church auditorium. This is a great opportunity to connect with other young adults and uni students in our church community with social events and small group discussions. See Zelvin or our Facebook page for more information. For more information about anything that's happening at Kenmore Church, visit our website at kenmore.church or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. We hope you enjoy the service. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome. It's great to have you here today. My name's Sandy Bickerton, and I'm, I'm continuing our series on faith this morning. And uh, last week, Pat gave us a message. He started our series on faith, and he mostly spoke about there were these three facets to faith. Um, firstly, there's a relational facet, and that is that uh, our faith is actually what connects us relationally to Jesus. Secondly, there's a renewal aspect of faith, and that is that it's the presence of God, the imminence of God, which actually brings about renewal in the life of the believer. You know, it's not God's plan for us to come to faith and then to stay the same. 
he wants us to be changed and that that purpose is for us to be changed more into the image of his son. And thirdly, there is a reason aspect to faith, right? We don't abandon our logical faculties when we come to believe. There's actually a sure footing and a grounding in the word of God when we come to believe. Today, we're going to go a little bit deeper into that uh, facet of faith. And I find this an incredibly important topic to talk about. Firstly, because faith is something that's so core to who we are as Christians. And also, uh, it's the definition of what we believe. But secondly, there are such misconceptions out there about what faith actually is. So the point of today is that we might uh, form a foundation of what is the biblical understanding of faith so that for the remainder of the teaching series, we'll be able to apply that and understand that a lot more clearly in our own lives. So the point is that we can walk more confidently, more often and with greater understanding in faith with Jesus. We want to be able to step in faith with sure footing, anchored in understanding of the scriptures to boldly and powerfully step in faith with Christ. So faith in one sense is very simple, right? It simply means belief or trust. And that comes from the Greek word pistis, right? That's the noun that means belief, faith or trust. Connected to that is the verb pistuo, which means I believe in or I trust or I put my faith in. So in one sense, that's all faith is. It's simply trust in God. But in another sense, faith is an incredibly deep concept in the Bible. And the deeper we go, the more we find that the scriptures are like an open cut mine. We start digging because we find gold, we find treasure and we keep digging. And the further we dig, the more gold we find and the more treasure we find. Except that the goal that we're finding is Jesus Christ himself. And this mine is never going to stop yielding precious understanding of him, more life-giving intimacy with him and more transforming power from him. I wonder what comes to your mind when we talk about faith. Perhaps some scriptures pop into your mind or maybe a quote or maybe a, an understanding or, or even just an idea that you hold precious. I want to encourage you just to take a moment to type that out in the chat because it's awesome for us to be able to engage with the other people that are online. It doesn't have to be perfect, doesn't have to be profound, but we just want to engage with what we're doing. So take a minute or so just to type that into the chat. So chances are, if you've been a Christian for a while, there's probably a catalogue of scriptures that come up and there's good reason for that. This word family appears somewhere in the vicinity of 480 times in the New Testament alone. So there is a lot to deal with when we come to trying to understand the concept of faith. But contrary to, con to contemporary ideas of faith, there are actually two very kind of grounding uh, emphases of this word that we find in its use of the New Testament. And we're going to explore what those are. The first one is the emphasis of faith that, and the second one is the emphasis of faith in. So let's have a look at faith that. What does it mean? Well, faith that emphasizes the contents of your belief. Right, the, the terms and conditions of Christianity, if you like. And let me give you an illustration. You might be wherever you are. In fact, you're probably sitting on a chair. Right? Now, you've got faith that that chair is going to hold you up and it's not going to just let you fall to the ground. That's the contents of your faith. And this emphasis of faith that was incredibly important in the book of Acts. Because in the book of Acts, the church is forming itself, they're coming to be. And so they found that it was incredibly important to define what it was they believed, because that's part of what shaped who they were. 
So we have in Acts chapter 15, a meeting at the Council of Jerusalem where they had to decide, you know, do we uphold circumcision as a new part of our faith? So the contents was incredibly important to those people. Likewise, for the first couple of centuries of uh, Christian history, they had to meet through all of these councils to really nut out some of these issues of faith. What is orthodoxy? All right. And so we might say that the faith that can be equivalent to what we call a creed, right? That list of things that we say, yes, this is what we believe. Now, interestingly, all of those meetings which occurred in the first few centuries centered on some very fundamental issues. They were all on who Jesus was, what he did, and the significance of that for our lives. At the end of the day, that is the irreducible core of Christianity, and that's what matters when it comes to the contents of our belief. You know, it's incredibly important what we believe, and we can have a look at 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 10 to 12. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. So we can see from Scripture that the contents of our belief is actually incredibly important, if not all important. We can't just get away with believing anything. Our beliefs have to align with what is taught by Jesus about Jesus. Now, this doesn't mean that your theology has to be perfect to make the cut. Not at all. None of us have it perfect. And I look forward to the day when I go to be with him and finally all of that gets corrected and it all becomes easy. It's the same that the first couple of centuries of Christianity was wrestling with. What matters is what you believe about Jesus. And if I can give you an illustration, um, I know of somebody just recently who for 30 years had been attending church and had a faith. He believed in God and he understood lots of the Bible, more than probably lots of people who would call themselves Christians. But it wasn't until just recently when he had to decide, you know what, Jesus did rise from the dead. Jesus is alive today and I believe Jesus for who he says he is, that he actually became a Christian. That's because that is what is at the core of our belief as Christians, the gospel message of Jesus. And if you haven't heard the gospel message of Jesus, it's this. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. God sent Jesus to earth to live a perfect, sinless life. And the people around him crucified him. They hung him on a cross. And in his death, because of his perfect, sinless and eternal nature, he was able to satisfy the wrath of God on our behalf so that whoever puts their faith in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. That's the core of what we believe. So that's the faith that. Now this other half is the faith in. Now the emphasis of this part is that the New Testament teaches that when you have faith, you actually have faith in someone, all right? That faith doesn't get pushed out into space where it floats around free of gravity or any kind of solid anchoring. No, that faith is much more like an arrow that's released from a bow and lands itself in a target. And that target for us is the person of Jesus Christ. To go back to our chair illustration, you've got faith that that chair is gonna hold you up. But by extension, you have faith in that chair that it's gonna hold you up. Or maybe to make it a bit more personal, you've got faith in the person who built that chair or maybe the engineer who designed that chair. But for the New Testament, these two ideas are really impossible to separate. 
And we can have a look at a passage in Luke chapter 7. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So John sends his disciples to ask Jesus this question, and although we don't see the actual word for faith in that passage, the fundamental question is one of faith, it's one of belief. They're asking, are you the one who is to come or do we need to wait for someone else? Should we put our trust in you or is there someone more qualified, more credible and more important coming later? And what's Jesus' response? Well, he tells them, look at the evidence. You've seen what I've done. Do you have any other choice other than to believe that I'm the one God has sent? You see, these two components, the faith in and the faith that, are really impossible to separate. The faith in can actually be informed by the faith that. And what Jesus is saying is that here is the evidence. You can make your logical and reasonable conclusion based on that to put your faith in me. And this creates a cycle of strengthening faith. But you know, it can go the other way too. And the, the chief example of that is Abraham. If we look at Abraham in the Old Testament, the Bible tells us that he was from a place called Ur of the Chaldeans, which is roughly the... Uh, area near Babylon and that at that time those people were moon worshippers so there Abraham is out in you know somewhere in the in the middle of the continent worshipping the moon until suddenly this God appears before him and says I'm gonna make you a father of many nations and Abraham had no other proof I mean that sounded like a pretty great promise but there was no other proof that was going to guarantee that that promise would come true and so his decision to put his faith in God was a decision to trust the credibility of the God who revealed that promise to him. This is why Abraham is called the father of faith. And we can see here that the rest of Abraham's story is one of God continually affirming that promise, of God continually revealing his faithfulness to Abraham, and of Abraham's faith reducing, increasing, reducing, increasing until the point where that promise is finally fulfilled in his son Isaac. And then the Bible tells us that his faith was credited to him as righteousness. <clears throat> you see, the faith in can inform our confidence in the faith that. And for Abraham, all of that revelation of God's character was breaking ground. But for us, it's water under the bridge where we can look at the testimony of Scripture and see, look how faithful God has been. Is there a more worthy person for us to trust, to put our faith into? So the faith in informs the faith that, and the faith that, based on its credibility, can strengthen the faith in. The two of these are inextricably linked and they inform one another. But ultimately, our faith is guaranteed not by the credibility of its creed, though the creed is credible, but by the trustworthiness of its guarantor, who is Jesus. It's the credibility of Jesus, which is chiefly responsible for the credibility of the creed. Friends, this is the core of our faith. 
Put your faith in Jesus. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He has never told a lie. He has fulfilled or is fulfilling every single promise that was ever made about the Savior of the world. And there is no greater person who is worthy of our trust than him. These two things, the faith that and the faith in, lay the foundation for actually a third emphasis of this word family for faith. Faith for emphasizes that there is some goal in taking a position of faith and that that goal is always miraculous. All right, let me say that again. You might have been surprised to hear that, but the goal of faith is always miraculous. Whether that's faith for the forgiveness of sins, faith for the transformation of character, faith for the healing of disease, faith for the raising of the dead, faith for God's kingdom coming. The goal of faith is to see faith for something. And it might surprise you to know who is the person who speaks mostly in this sense of the word faith. Well, the answer is Jesus himself. Jesus, in fact, almost exclusively speaks of faith in this example. You can look it up. You can search through the Gospels for the word faith and see how many times Jesus says it and the context that he says it, where he says things like, daughter, your faith has made you well. Or he sees the faith of the friends of the paralytic and then that leads him to uh, heal the, the paralytic. Or he says of the, the centurion, never have I found such faith even in all of Israel. And at that moment, um, the, the centurion's daughter is healed. And Jesus uses the example of a, of a mustard seed where he says, truly I tell you, even if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, if you ask for that mountain to be removed into the sea, then it will be done for you. And that passage is using the smallest seed that they knew back then, which was the seed of a mustard tree. And the emphasis there is actually that the size of your faith is not the important factor. Okay, the important factor is what your faith is in, and that is in him. The bedrock of our faith is firstly in Jesus, who says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And it's secondly, in line with the truth that Jesus taught our faith that. We can't really call ourselves Christians if we think Jesus was a great guy, but we don't align with his teaching. But the purpose of faith, the purpose of having faith is that that transforms into faith for. Faith to see God move in ways that only God can. And there are lots of ways this looks, but I'm just going to give you three to uh, contemplate in your own time. The first is that God wants to give us faith for transformation. That's growing and changing in our own life so that when we come to God, we don't stay the same, but we allow him to continually shape us according to his purpose. The second is to see God's kingdom come in the world around us. We want to see the world around us influenced miraculously for God's purpose and through God's power. And thirdly, he wants us to have faith for the manifesting of his glory. So that there is a testimony that God is real and that God can do things that no one else can. He wants us to have faith that God will step in and do things that only God can do. You see, ultimately, walking by faith and not by sight doesn't mean that we walk around blindly stumbling, bumping into objects because we've obstinately closed our eyes. The point of faith is to take you places where you can't see, where the only option is to trust God and God loves to inhabit.
that space with us. Why don't you spend some time in reflection or discussion if you're with other people around you? Here are a few questions to maybe think on. Firstly, is my faith in Jesus? Secondly, do I align my beliefs with Jesus? Or perhaps are there any ways that I need to lay down my own uh, preconceptions or, or ideas to better align with what Jesus says faith should be? Thirdly, and this is the point of having faith, where can I exercise faith in Jesus for a miraculous movement in my life? We hope you all have a very blessed weekend. Thanks again for joining us. Know that you are prayed for, that you are cared for, and we really appreciate you. Have a great week, everyone.